Hello, 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 and welcome back to the IBS Freedom Podcast. You can see visually on YouTube, at least, that we have a special guest today, and this time, not a healthcare professional. I know we have a knack for interviewing therapists in particular, but this is actually uh, one of my patients, Hannah, and we wanted to talk a bit about the molds, the moldy, the molded, and I don't know another word. Anyway, you, you can see how well I thought this out. Um, and I want to preface this by saying, A, thank you for coming on here, Hannah. And B, um, you know, the reason why we're talking about this on an IBS podcast, it might be a little surprising to you. But the reasoning behind it is that anything inflammatory or anything that hurts your body could disrupt your entire body, including but not limited to your gut. And that seemed to be at least partially the case for Hannah here. So I thought it might be beneficial, rather than just hearing us yammer on about the science of it, it might be beneficial to like hear the story from the horse's mouth from somebody that I've worked with, for whom this seemed to be a really big issue. Um, so Hannah, what, what do you want to tell the good folks at home? Do you want to start with like, some of the symptoms you were experiencing and and like why you sought out my help, I guess, paint the picture of where you were. And then we could talk about like how we came to the conclusion that mold was a pretty big driving force for for your issues. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can start with, yeah, start at the beginning. Um, I think I sought you out because I found your podcast. That's actually how I first found you. Um, big plug. <laughs> Here we are, full circle. Um, But yeah, I sought you out because I knew that for me, gut health was an issue. I was having some irregular poops, some other um, gut health issues. And I knew for a fact that it was affecting me almost every day, if not every day. Um, So I knew that was a big factor. But also there were other, other big things and big systems in my body that were affected um, from like the nervous system to allergies. There were things kind of all across the board. So um, yeah, I kind of sought you out to get a start with the gut stuff and see what else we could hit uh, from that direction. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I remember in particular, too, like you, you were having really wicked reactions to any sort of dietary yeast. So if something had like, right, like nutritional yeast or yeasted bread, you would just be massively inflamed for like days or weeks afterward even. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I noticed this reaction once I moved into this moldy building. Um, I didn't realize necessarily that the mold was a problem until about two years later. But now reflecting, like once I moved into the building, I had issues and reactions to eating or drinking any yeast. So Mm. for example, breads would set off my system. Um, Yeast extract I've discovered is a really big, um, it's an ingredient that's found in a lot of processed foods. So I found I I reacted to a lot of those. Um, Also beer and wine and a lot of the the brewed hard seltzers are all brewed with yeast. So I found Mm. an increase in symptoms after uh, eating or drinking all of those, you know, all of those things. So that kind of set off, uh, an idea bell in my head. I'm like, huh, I can't eat or drink moldy things, things with yeast and mold. Like maybe there's something more going on to this story. Yeah. Going on here. And I don't remember in the beginning, did we hypothesize like some gut fungal issue and like candida yeast stuff? I do remember like the first time we met, talking about, oh, yeah, this building for sure has mold. 
Um, yeah. Like I do remember that much, but I don't know if we kind of thought, you know, maybe we do the the gut based antifungal kind of stuff first. And then if we need to have you move or get out of there or like deal with the mold, then maybe we'll cross that path when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, so like prior to seeing you, I had been seeing like a regular GI doctor MD, um, who's, who I saw in person, um, for about a year or so. And so she had me on a few rounds of Zyfaxin for SIBO. Um, I kind of was already there and, and tried that with her. And those, that treatment was like sometimes effective, sometimes not. But for some reason, my symptoms would always come back and we couldn't really Mm. figure it out. Um, And it was, I got the vibe from her that like I was making things up or maybe she just didn't understand Mm. the severity of my Mm. symptoms. It it got pretty difficult and like upsetting to see this particular um, provider. So after that, set of experiences, I kind of hopped around to a few GI doctors, um, again, in like the conventional medicine realm, and um, still wasn't really, I don't know, finding that some that uh, the providers were listening to me or like, kind of having ideas that would make sense for me in my body. So yeah, I think that's another reason I sought you out. Um, So I don't think we did any antimicrobial stuff. Um, I think I had kind of tried that in the past. Yeah. And yeah, uh, had kind of mixed results. Yeah. Mm. And that was kind of my recollection. But like I said, I think, um, you know, like these, these, the pattern of like reactivity to like yeast products, maybe could make you think exposure to some sort of mold or yeast species, Mm. one of which could be in the gut, like candida overgrowth. Um, but again, in this case, it was more of an environmental thing for you. So don't underestimate the power of your environment to influence your health. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, and I know too, like you live in New York city and if, if the TV shows have taught me anything about New York city, it is that finding a new apartment in New York city <laughs> is like mining for gold in Antarctica. That's, <laughs> like, that's it's just, true. It's, <laughs> so impossible and you're going to pay through the nose. And like, so I remember, you know, kind of bringing this up throughout, throughout our work together as a thing that could be relevant, but I know, um, you know, like the, the appeal of finding a new place to live in New York city was below zero, like negative one because it's so difficult to do, but you could maybe tell us there was a few different incidences where you left town and felt quite a bit different. And then you came home and felt like crap again. And I think it was after that happened, like two or three different times, we kind of put this pattern together of like, okay, we can't deny it anymore. Like you clearly feel like crap when you're back home in this apartment. But do you want to like paint a little bit of of that story too? I thought that was yeah. unique. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Me too. That stands out in my head as well. Um, yeah, and I'm sure you were you were met with a lot of stubbornness when you suggested that maybe I should consider moving out or looking for another type of apartment. Because um, I think Be gentle, yeah. but persistent. <laughs> no, you you were you you were very um, patient. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's not often that people want to leave a place where they enjoy living, and um, maybe their friends are there, their family members are there, their whole life is there. Like we associate home with like the physical place that we reside we go back to every day so it's 
it can feel like very difficult and almost like a personal attack to have to like get up and just the idea of getting up and moving away from you her- your you heard it here, folks. I attacked her. That's what she's saying. That's, that's, no, no, that's no. what it is. <laughs> no, no. Dr. Deneza was very patient with me, um, thankfully. But yeah, I'll, I'll speak a little bit about um, those experiences of leaving for the weekend. So um, kind of a short backstory is I was in this moldy apartment about two years and kind of getting increasingly sick in all areas throughout my time living there. Um, and recently I'd say in the last year or so, I went on a few trips out to visit friends. I went to LA, I went to Northern New York, to the mountains to visit a few friends. Um, I would just do these weekend trips here and there. And every time I left, um, even when I went to LA, which is known for like horrible air pollution, um, I would leave, I would leave. And then the next day in that new location, I would be starting to feel so much better. Like it wasn't perfect. It wasn't like 10% to a hundred percent, but you know, it was, it was noticeably better for sure where I, I could totally tell something was very different. Um, and then I would find myself getting really upset having to come home, um, during all of these trips. Cause I, I felt like I would just, go back into a place of sickness. Um, Yeah, and there's this experience I remember in particular where I would leave. um, I left just for a long weekend uh, to visit friends up north. And um, in this environment, you know how it is sometimes visiting friends, I guess, (laughs) 20-something-year-olds visiting friends maybe. Um, But it was a weekend of like very little sleep. We were drinking. We weren't Um, following any type of gut-friendly nervous system-supporting experience. (laughs) You were with friends. That's nervous system supporting, that lady. That's true. I was was with friends, and I was also out in the open in the fresh air. Um, So that was was very nervous system-supporting. But um, despite kind of everything that was going on over the weekend – my energy and just the way that I felt like my brain fog subsided a lot. Um, My digestion just felt so much better um, in a few different ways. And yeah, I just noticed that I had so much more energy in my body, which was fabulous. And I'd even brought my sneakers to go on a run, which I hadn't done in weeks or even, even months. Um, and so I, I ended up going on a run. I had enough energy to do that, which was fabulous. Um, and I was so determined and like, yes, like I can't wait to get back into running on my way home. I, I like kind of made a promise to myself. I'm like, finally, I have enough energy. I am going to get home and put on all my running stuff and then go out, go for a nice run. It's a gorgeous night out. Um, and I'm super determined to do that. So I went home. I like, I didn't get on the subway or anything. I just had my friend drop me off right at my apartment. I walked in the door and for about 30 minutes, I was unpacking, kind of getting changed, unpacking, um, all of that. And just within that time, I went from like determined, full of energy. Um, again, not like a hundred percent, like the best ever, but enough for me to go on a run, which is pretty darn good. Um, So I went from feeling great to like laying in my bed, staring at the ceiling, like looking visibly more inflamed and just like feeling super, super crappy within like 
30 minutes, which was just wild to me. Um, so that kind of, that sealed it for me. Yeah. Hmm. I think this might be a good point to get into some of the, the nerdy science of it. It's pretty wild. I remember that trip for two. Um, and I will say like, this is not going to be the pattern for 100% of moldy people. Right. So if you're sitting there thinking, okay, I don't think mold isn't is an issue for me because I don't feel noticeably better when I leave and I don't feel noticeably better or worse when I return. Um, I don't think we could write it off from that. I think probably what happens is that mold is just bad for everybody on some general like inflammatory, icky level, right? Like the mycotoxins and they muck up your body. I think that there's like a baseline level of, oh, mold is just not good for any human being. And then there are genetic variations that are apparently associated with like better or worse ability to excrete Mm. the mycotoxins and basically like detox from the mold. And they say like 25% of the population has like the moldy genes where you're not going to be as efficient at excreting. Mm -hmm. Um, The other layer to that is that some people have like the general like, oh, mold is just bad for you kind of stuff. Some people have an overt allergy to the mold that they're exposed to. So I think that was what happened with my mom, for example, when she was uh, exposed to really bad mold at her workplace, like she would walk in the door and she would start wheezing Mm. and like kind of get, get lightheaded and shortness of breath. So I think that the people like this, like what Hannah is describing, where it was like within 30 minutes, she felt different and like crap. Or my mom, the minute she walked in that building, she would start to wheeze. I think those are probably the people who have an allergy to the mold. In addition to the Mm. general like, oh, mold's just bad for you kind of a thing. Right. Um, You know, it's it's almost like analogous to sugar is not good for anybody. But like, if you had an allergy to sugar on top of that, that would be really bad, right? I also have seen other people similarly who have gone on vacations and felt better as well. So maybe that might also not always be mold too. So like if you leave and feel a little bit better on vacation, I think if it's more like systemic, like it sounds like a lot of her symptoms were like, not just gut improving, it was like, she could maybe clarify to exactly what felt totally better. But it sounds like she was really experiencing like, a lot of fatigue it sounds like fogginess like there were a lot of systemic Mm -hmm. symptoms but you know i'll work with some people and they'll be like oh i'll go on vacation for a week and all my symptoms improve gut wise and that could be kind of just like maybe they needed to de-stress or something like that so i i think the opposite's true as well like not every person that's going on vacation and feels better is going to have mold either but it's still a really interesting um thing especially in her case with the systemic symptoms going on um that mold should should be explored and i I would say too like the the people that i've seen where we've pinpointed mold as a part of their equation um i think that with them it, it almost seems like there's definitely more of a systemic presentation too um where there is a lot of fogginess, where there is kind of um, a lot of inflammation type symptoms along with everything. Mm-hmm. And typically, again, if we've worked on a lot of things and like they're still 
not progressing, sometimes like we'll start getting into that conversation of like, have you ever been exposed to mold? Or like, again, if there's any signs and symptoms of mold, we might explore it at that point. That's kind of typically when I work with people, it's like ruling out other things and seeing, because I do think mold again, like it is a bigger investment, like Hannah was saying, to to find a new apartment. I would think too, like to find another non-moldy apartment in New York would even be harder than other cities as well um just because a lot of the apartments are older and um yeah but yeah i I think again like uh it's been interesting i I could get into some of the cases too that i've worked with with mold as well in comparison to hannah's hannah's case but yeah i find that again like they tend to be people where it's like hmm, this is so weird like their nutrition looks good their lifestyle looks good like something just doesn't make sense sometimes those again are like the cases in my experience where like molds a factor um and again like usually we can kind of dive deeper and rule it in or rule it out it's not always mold Mm -hmm. but like again those might be the cases i might explore a little bit further um yeah and again like it's always funny i had one client who was like oh yeah we have mold all over our bathroom walls and it's like, ah, like, oh my gosh, like, we should, pr- you should probably maybe um, address that and then kind of see how, how you feel. Um, but yeah, I think again, like the, the investment of modifying, wh- whether it's moving out or remediating the mold is, is a real bear. Um, so sometimes again, I, I'd be a little bit apprehensive of the mold, uh, mold exploration too i think hannah was it sounds like of just like oh i don't uh if mold's the issue it's like problematic because you have to move it's not always the case that you like walk into your building and feel worse again Mm -hmm. and it's that clear um but i think it was pretty damning when that happened like three times in a row over the course of a few months with you and you know, that was like the little nudge you needed to try to find a new place. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I was really hoping that it would be anything else. Um, <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, who wants to pack up their stuff and move like for their health? Um, and, you know, just over time, though, I was spending hundreds on healthcare and supplements and um, trying to get myself back to a place of good health. And um, in the end, it was just the best decision. I'm so happy that I moved out of my mm. apartment. Um, and yeah, it definitely wasn't, or I'm sure for, I'm sure for some people, it's not so obvious, um, mm. like a very clear cut cause and effect. And for me, it, it took years to kind of catch on to that, or I'd say at least many months, um, but yeah, I'm right. I'm very happy in the end that I moved out, and we we determined that was um, that was something making my health significantly worse. Yeah, it's interesting too because like the answer is kind of simple, but it's still so hard. Like to move is like oh, you just have to change the environment, but like that's so hard to do actually do. But it's kind of more of a simple answer. I was curious too, like when you were talking about mold, I know you're like, oh man, I don't like molds, not something I really want to deal with because of the move. But I know like some of the mold, uh, 
space is very intense too i think same same thing with some of the SIBO spaces are like very intense with like super strict diets and you have to do it this way and that way and i think the mold world is almost even maybe slightly worse where it's like you better burn all your possessions they touched a mycotoxin you know it's like it's a very very intense i think subset of of people in the mold space And again, maybe there's someone that has such a high degree of sensitivity that they have to be like that careful. But I think that's way like the rarity than the norm within the mold space. But I was just curious if you ever like dabbled in that and then were like, it seems like you had more of a reasonable response of like, oh, I'll just move, not burn everything I own. Yeah. It sounds like that that you kind of did a more reasonable response in my mind. But yeah, I think the, the mold space is intense. I was just curious if you experienced any of that intensity when you were apprehensive about it. And can I interrupt you before you say anything? Yeah, else? totally, totally. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I will also say I think one of the problems with that is that when – when you Google mold, and maybe you yeah. did this, I don't even know. But like when you start researching mold, or if somebody brings up mold, or if you see one of these really intense mold practitioners, and they tell you pretty much literally, you have to get rid of everything you own. Right. Um, that is a major, major, major deterrent for the patient to even right. want to go down the road of mold. Right. If it was a more moderate conversation of like, oh, take some glutathione, try to sweat as much as possible. And, you know, like, just get out of the moldy environment, then I feel like more people would be willing to have that conversation versus the idea of like, not only do I have to move and possibly take some supplements to like excrete the stuff out of my body, but also I have to burn everything I own. Like not (laughs) a lot of people are willing to go that route. And it's, I think it's a disservice to a lot of people because there are people who would benefit from that super strict mentality. But there are probably many, many, many more people who would benefit from just moving out of the moldy place or remediating the mold in their home. Right. And like, they don't have to go full on extreme. Totally, totally. No, that's a great point. And yeah, I think that, like, I definitely have gone down that like crazy rabbit hole of, of reading about everybody's experience. And it's like, when you also have to think that the people needing help with mold remediation or like um, just needing help with mold as it affects their health um, in their life. A lot of them are so, so exhausted mentally and physically. So it's like, you're not just having the conversation about like moving out with a normal person with like a day job who has all the energy in the world and is like love and love and life. It's somebody who a lot of time is in like a really difficult position. And like, I guess I'll just speak for myself, but I was very limited at times by my mental and physical energy. So to me, like the idea of moving out was just a hurdle that like I could not overcome. Like it didn't matter. It didn't matter like what the apartment was doing to me, but, um, I just, it was too big of a hurdle for me for a very long time until I was like 100% sure that my apartment was the cause. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And as far as my belongings go, so I, yeah, I've since moved to a newer apartment. This this building is about five years old rather than a pre-war building that Mm -hmm. I was coming from. Um, Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been a nice, a really nice change. Um, And I did throw out some things it was, it wasn't to like an extreme 
degree. Right. It was it was just kind of things that I already probably didn't need. And then just moving out of the apartment, I was like, you know, I should get rid of this. Um, I, right. I did a little bit of research on what I should throw out. But there's, you know, it's there's a lot of gray area. And for everybody, it's so different. So there's no personal rule book written like for me on what I should be doing, which is um, so difficult. I'm, I was just kind of learning as I went. But for me, what worked was um, just bringing my clothes to a laundromat. I added a lot of borax and detergent. I washed everything on hot, like all right. of my clothes. And then I just, you know, brought my clothes back and um, I haven't had an issue with them. So I was thinking on how I should um, decrease the amount of like soft materials that I have. I was reading and um, a lot of mm. like mold specialists recommend like getting rid of as a whole all of your soft belongings like um which I was like I was shocked I'm like how is this possible um right. and so I I kind of met more in the middle I I threw out what I could but yeah you're right I took more of an approach of what can I keep um maybe I can wash everything more thoroughly and bring it back into the apartment and right. see how I do but yeah, I think overall, yeah. the best thing that I did was move out of the apartment. Yeah, right. I was just gonna say, like, just moving alone. Or this could be also analogous to like remediating if you own your home and moving is not super doable right now, just remediating it and getting rid of the mold in your home mm -hmm. to the degree you can. If you think about like the quantity you're probably lowering your exposure level by like a solid 90%. Even if a little bit of it follows you on like the couch or the bed or the clothes, mm. like you're at least dramatically reducing your exposure and your load. And then I, I do think it'll dissipate over time too, as yeah. the furniture kind of off gases and as you clean it yeah. more frequently. Yeah, yeah. Because um, mycotoxins and like mold spores tend to accumulate and settle in household dust, mm -hmm. too. So just as you clean, generally, you're going to clean up some of the mold spores and yeah. the, the mycotoxins and stuff. So even just like, you know, cleaning your couch or like doing something like that or cleaning your clothes, like you said, that could help further reduce your load. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about like, how can I take away the source of the mold and mycotoxins? So that was like, the biggest to me, which was essentially just moving out of the apartment. But um, yeah. so I think that's probably a good takeaway. If you can take away the source, like the main source, like if you have an active right. leak and you're watching mold in your house, um, if you're able to remediate to any type of degree, that's amazing. Because um, I think that takes away the main source. And the rest is kind of secondary uh, for most people, at least. Right, like if you're in a moldy building and taking tons of tons of glutathione or something, but not leaving the moldy building, that's not really going to sol solve the issue. You're much better off putting yeah. your time and energy into getting out. Um, yes. Like again, if you have to prioritize. So I think that's a really great point. So I also think that like in the mold space as well, like... <sighs> you aren't ever going to totally avoid mold. Like at some point you're going to enter a building that has maybe some mold in it, but you're not living in it. So like, again, you're not going to have the accumulation like you had um, at your, at your building that you were living in before. But I also think, again, it's really important um, 
for people to understand that like I think it's virtually impossible to totally avoid mold. Um, and I think sometimes people will get in the mindset where they think maybe they can. Um, you can avoid mm. living in mold all the time, but I think that there's going to be like weird buildings or bars or stuff that you could go to that has some mold in it. And, and that's mm. okay. And I think you might even feel some effects. I know sometimes people that are really sensitive to it can kind of feel like, oh, I think there was like some mold in that place and maybe doing some detox when you get home or whatever. But I think that's like something to acknowledge too from like a a stress angle is like just acknowledging that like you can't totally 100% avoid mold in its entirety or again you're going to limit your life if you're going to try to do so. Um yeah. I, I think sometimes I've worked with people where um they get extra like intense or anxious about going into somewhere moldy once they've had mold. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I just don't know how you can totally avoid it. Um, But you might have like a plan in place if you feel like you had some effects from like staying at a moldy hotel or something or, or whatever it turns out to be where you spent some time in mold, if that's going to affect you in some way, having a contingency plan. But I don't know if you've kind of experienced any of those feelings or like, Sounds like you sounds like you have a balanced life if you're kind of out with friends and enjoying your twenties. Um I try. But again, I, I don't know yeah, as we should. I mean, you're only tw- in your twenties once. Um so better live it up. But yeah, again, like it sounds like you have a balanced approach, but I think like there's been a few people that I've talked to in the mold space where they get just hyper vigilant. Mm-hmm. about mold everywhere and it's like i just don't think you can totally avoid it and i kind of wonder if those are the people who tend to have more like orthorexic eating right. kind of styles you know like obsessed about healthy eating or like i've shared the story a few times about the environmental medicine conference i would go to in scottsdale every year and like there are a lot of naturopaths that go to that conference who are very smart and very wonderful people but they are neurotic yeah. and you know that we're trying to gather in like the front of the hotel or whatever to get a dinner date going. And like, this is a group of like 10 people who can't agree where to eat because they're like, well, I won't go to the restaurant if it's not 100% certified organic. Right. But then you go to the one and only certified organic restaurant in the entire city and they're still obnoxious. They're still like, excuse me, ma'am, is this beef grass finished or is it grass grass fed fed 90% and then grain finished? Like, you know, it's like, at what point, at what point does health promotion become an obsession? Right. And at what yeah. point will your friends disown you? Yes. Because honestly, like, there's like three people at this conference every year that I will actually go get lunch with at this point, because <laughs> I'm just like, you all are too difficult. I can't handle right, you. Right. Um, and, you know, it's like admirable on the one hand that they care about their health. And that's great. Yeah. Like, it's probably better in some way than going to McDonald's. But it's like, you're just sucking up your life with this. And I feel like similarly, this idea that you have to be like 100% mold free is just going to detract from your quality of life. And it's going to be an obsession and like an OCD, almost like orthorexic kind of experience. And you're right, like there's mold outside, there's mold, at least a tiny bit in every single building. But the key is, is it at a level that you could tolerate reasonably well, and it doesn't totally jack up your body. Right. Um, And I think, you know, similarly, like I think in the SIBO world, a lot of people, 
they won't explicitly say this, but sometimes people in the SIBO world will kind of have this mentality of almost like, I we need to sterilize yes. yeah. the bacteria in the bowel, right? right like right. we need to eradicate. And it's that's really close to saying, I want zero bacteria in your in my bowel. And like, that's not an obtainable goal. And with candida overgrowth and like GI yeast overgrowth, people will be like on a war hunt for candida and they want to get down to zero yeast. And it's like, you can't do that. Right. We are brimming with all sorts of different yeast, not just candida. Like we can't ever get it down to zero. Mm -hmm. If we did, it probably would not be a good thing. So I'm glad that you brought up that point, Amy, because you're right. Like we're never going to get down to zero, none of us. So we might as well not even try. Yeah, right. I think that's, yeah, yeah. I was thinking something similar, Dr. Deneza, about um, about gut health and kind of living more in harmony with all of your gut microbes. It's kind of a similar idea to living in harmony with mm. all the microbes outside in our in our environment. So I think yep. I think a lot of people with mold illness, me included, like become on this high environmental alert. And it's nothing that we mean to do, but it's just something that happens over time. Like your environment makes you sick. And so you kind of go into certain environments, either expecting to not feel well, or it's very easy. Like your body is just kind of, and I don't know, between nervous and immune systems, it just feels like you're on alert for mold and maybe you can smell it more easily or detect it in other ways more Mm -hmm. easily. And um, yeah, it can really be limiting in, in what you can do and where you can go. And you're right, it can totally become this like obsession and rabbit hole. Um, that's really difficult to stop. So I think, yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, it can, it can get very extreme. And like, I felt myself for a long time, um, like, smelling a lot of mold in the subways in New York, which Mm. yes, I'm sure it exists. And um, there's nothing I can really do about that. But just being on very, very high alert, um, getting kind of anxious about it, kind of getting a lot of increased symptoms, just even with five or 10 minutes of exposure. Um, Yeah, and I think that's from uh, like, consistent uh living in a moldy environment for a lot of times like consistent exposure um right yeah but since then I've been doing a lot better I've actually been working on this concept of like brain retraining and supporting my nervous and immune system Mm -hmm. so that they're restored and like respond properly to mold like if we mm-hmm. if we go into a moldy environment, I think ideally, like say we're on vacation and there's, you know, we're in a space and it's a little bit more moldy than our natural, like our house or our, our apartment that we're used to going back to every day. Like that should not make us um, like get into this like extreme sickness mode for multiple days or weeks, although that can happen to people with like chronic mold uh, exposure and issues. So um, yeah, it's something I'm working mm-hmm. on now, but that is definitely a common experience with people who are hit with mold. Yeah, well, and I think you would go ahead. Go ahead. You, before the mom brain kicks it again, go, go, go. I was just gonna say, like, it's it almost seems like a natural response, though, like for your brain to like want to protect you because you were really sick when you were in that moldy environment. So, like, it's very adaptive for yes. your brain to be like whoa, we smell mold. 
this is not good. Mm -hmm. But I do think you're right. You almost have to retrain your brain to not be, not flag or like when you smell mold to like go immediately into fight or flight. Like you almost have to retrain your body um, Mm -hmm. to, to be okay with, with like, you know, any chance of having exposure to mold and again like maybe you don't feel as great and you could do like a little bit of extra support later on like maybe you have like a little routine or thing that you could do if you're at a again a hotel or something that you notice is feels a little moldy or whatever but again i think it's you're it's a really good thing that you're doing where you're learning to kind of balance your life because again the mold journey is not your life like it, you don't want it to become your life. And I think, again, sometimes if you can very easily let it really dictate how you're living and it sounds like you're doing a lot of great things to help you um, balance, like obviously you don't want to be living in a moldy, a moldy building or kind of be around heavy mold exposure, but, but being around some exposure isn't limiting you in, in ways if you can retrain your brain and nervous system so they're not jumping to to alert um high alert when you're around any mold yeah and this is further proof people that we are cosmic litter baits separated separated at birth clearly (laughs) because that's basically what i was going to say too so i'm glad that i let you say it before mom brain kicked in potentially Mm, yes but yeah it's like so what you described was fight or flight mode right and if you remember, like fight or flight mode is the antagonist to rest and digest mode and vagus nerve function and tone. So it's like by launching into fight or flight mode at the slightest sniff of mold mm-hmm. on a subway right. or the slightest sniff of mold in a soup or whatever, right. like you're impeding your ability to heal mm-hmm. if you allow that to happen. And I know it's not like a conscious choice mm-hmm. most of the time, but if you could try to signal to your immune system somehow that you're safe mm-hmm. and it's going to be okay. And like that might come from, you know, like retraining, which I'd like to hear more about. Cause yeah. I think I remember you had emailed me and said that you were doing the Gupta yeah. program. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's what you had meant by that. I would like to hear more about that, but even things like, you know, hypnosis, therapy, mm-hmm. just acknowledging like the medically induced PTSD of it all and how difficult this was for you to deal mm-hmm. with and how much it sucked and kind of like allowing yourself to process that and grieve the two years of your life that sucked more than they needed to. Um, Like even just that probably is beneficial on some level, but would you mind sharing a little bit about your experience so far doing the Gupta program? Yeah. Yeah. So I found this, the, the Gupta program, it's like a, it's called a brain retraining um, Mm -hmm. program. And I think that there are a few out there, but I had heard about this one in particular on a few different podcasts. um, And I was kind of a chronic researcher. Like I came from the medical field. I studied um, medicine undergrad and that's kind of where my interest, my personal interests lie. Um, So I was always looking up what I can be doing, like what supplements to try, where I should be going, how I should be doing everything. Um, Mind you, I like didn't have any energy at all, barely. And, you know, I wasn't even watching Netflix or YouTube. Like I didn't even have enough energy to pay attention to those types of videos. I was like literally spending all of my energy on like trying to get better. And it it just was, um, you know, I thought I was doing it in my best interest. And I did learn a lot. But um, now that I am no longer in a moldy environment, 
I felt the need to like take a step back and look at my whole life and say like, you know, where do I want to be? Like in five years, I don't want to be down this like mold rabbit hole. I want to be enjoying my Mm -hmm. life and going to places, um, going on vacations and seeing friends and not be limited by this. Um, so I'm like, there has to be a better way and like a way that I can recover to, uh, recover my nervous and immune systems. And like throughout my kind of mold and health journey, I felt very strongly that both my nervous system and my immune system were very involved in, in the way that I was feeling. Um, and so, yeah, this Gupta program that I'm doing kind of is aimed at uh, like supporting both of those systems. Um, yes. Cool. I think I've had another patient do it too. And I don't remember all of her takeaways, but I think generally speaking, she liked it and thought it was helpful. So it's good to hear this kind of stuff. Cause these are, you know, there's so many different tools that could be helpful for different people. And like, this is one of the many tools that you can have in your tool belt, potentially to retrain your nervous system. Cause like you said, if you launch into fight or flight mode at the slightest sniff of mold, you're going to impede your healing and your quality of life overall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and you can try to like make decisions around it in the moment to some degree. Like I know um, there's an herbal conference I go to out in the mountains of North Carolina every year. And up in, up through this year, it was held at this YMCA. And you could just, you could tell the buildings were older than dirt. It was a beautiful campus, but absolutely older than dirt. And um, I had my suspicion that it was probably moldy. And then I went there with a friend one time. And immediately, like, she walked to the building and she was like, oh, moldy, for sure. But I think, I don't remember now, but I think she actually, like, made a point to not attend as many lectures, mm-hmm. even, because she was worried about the mold. It's like, well, I don't know, like, maybe had she brought, like, some glutathione or some binders or something, like, maybe she could have coped with it a bit better. And we just knew not to stay on campus the next year, because right. the rooms for sure had mold, too. Um, like, it's one thing to go to the conference during the day in the mold and then go somewhere else for the evening. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing if you're sleeping on campus also. Right. So it's like 24 seven with Around the mold you. for that time period. Um, and I know too, like she talked to one of the herbalists uh, at the conference and explained what was going on. And I remember he gave her some supplements. I think it wasn't anything fancy. I think it was tincture, uh, turmeric tincture. So not, you know, these fancy curcumin, it proprietary blends that have the biopterin black pepper in it that cost you 80 bucks. It was literally like $20 bottle of turmeric tincture. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think he also used, there was this like paste of just blueberry. I forget what exactly it was called, but it's from herbalist and alchemist. And it's basically just like a blueberry paste of sorts. Um, and it's really high in polyphenols and antioxidants. And I think that he just gave her like one dose of those two things. And she felt profoundly better and was able to get through the rest of the conference. So, you know, even just tinkering with having some anti-inflammatories on board, if you if you think you might get some exposure or if you're worried about it, or if you go to a conference every year knowing that the buildings are chock full of mold, um, that, you know, you can kind of work around it to some degree, but hopefully don't let it dictate your life and what you're able to do too much. Yeah, yeah. It's the goal. Yeah, definitely the goal. And I think that um, 
recovering from something like this, it can take a long time and it also happens in kind of steps. And I've, I had always seen that like recovery, you know, the graph where you have the two lines and you have the straight line and everyone thinks they're going to recover on this perfect Mm. straight line. And then recovery is actually like two steps forward, one step back, or even two steps forward, two or three steps back sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was very determined. I'm a very type A, like hardcore type person. And I'm like, no, I know these other people are like, they're in the bottom graph (laughs) where they're like taking their steps back. And, but that's not me. Like people don't know me. (laughs) That that graph is based on somebody else, but I'm this top line. I'm even higher than the top line, (laughs) but no, ab- absolutely not. And so I think if, yeah, to kind of speaking to Dr. Deneza's, um conference, like some people might be in that stage where they enter a moldy building and they're super sensitive and they can't handle it. They might need to um, like not go there again and like take some time away from that and do a few more things than you might need to do to recover from that. And that's okay. Like, um we're all kind of at different places in our recoveries and you might have a goal of like going into a moldy building and um, not having a reaction or severely or reacting like much less than you used to, but you might not be there yet. You might still have to take certain precautions. Um, People might look at you a little bit weirdly, or if you order something different on the menu um, or start like explaining uh, what you've been going through a bit, people might give you a weird look, but you, you know, you're, you're on the path to recovery and you will, you will get there. So it's your journey, journey. not theirs. (laughs) People, people may not understand. Um, and that's, that's okay, but you know, you're on your own path to recovery. So I think, I think that's what counts. Um, we're all kind of in a different place and that's all right. Yeah. Very true. Yep. Very true. Oh, my goodness. Good, good stuff. Um, I don't know if I have a ton more to add other than um, I imagine there might be a few people listening to this who are like, it's kind of like where you were where you're like, Oh, crap, like (laughs) finding a new apartment in New York City is going to be damn near impossible. Mm -hmm. What can I do to improve my situation without moving or remediating? Right. And like we we kind of did this to some degree in the beginning. I think I remember like telling you to take some glutathione or recommending. I yeah, didn't yeah. tell you. I wasn't a meme. <laughs> but um, you know, recommending like glutathione, maybe maybe some other supplements. Um, I think we talked about like sweat and sauna. And I think you said maybe your gym had a sauna, for example. So like that kind of stuff. Um I just talked to a patient yesterday. She's a freshman in college. And somehow we got on this tangent. She's like, oh, one of the dorms is shut down right now because of mold. But like all of the dorms on campus for sure have mold. And I shared uh, that's not an uncommon thing in college dorms. Mm -hmm. I think that that's actually a quite common thing because they're not kept up super well. Um, You know, it's just like these little jail cells that we put the kids in. (laughs) Like here, live here for a while. (laughs) Well, it's like, (laughs) and uh, how do you survive like college just with like, the drinking, or at least for me, I, I know you weren't as much of a drinker, Nikki, but like some nights I'm like, how did I survive that night? Plus you don't eat well, plus you don't sleep, plus you, you're you in moldy, yeah. like horrible conditions. Yeah. It's just crazy. It makes you wonder. Yeah. It, it does make you wonder how we get out relatively unscathed. Right. But yeah, the, um, so this, this young woman was saying, oh yeah, like 
all of the dorms on campus for sure have mold. She's like, I know that this place has mold. But she was saying like, you know, part of me wants to open up the windows and get fresh air. And then part of me thinks, well, if the air is humid outside, I shouldn't, because then the humidity is going to make the mold worse. So like what I just told her, you know, again, like she's, it's October of her freshman year, she is going to be in the storm for a while longer. Um, I said, well, A, I think any fresh air is probably good news for mold. Mm -hmm. Even if it's humid, I feel like I would still take it. Mm -hmm. And it might seem kind of silly. But like, if you live in the South, like I do, where it does get god awful humid in the summer it could even be like maybe you just keep a window open really really early in the morning before the heat and humidity gets out of control for the day right Mm -hmm. like 7 8 a.m if you live here in the south but maybe you just open up a window and get that fresh air in for one hour and then you seal it back up or if you live somewhere like new york city or ohio you could keep it open all day um and sometimes we'll even put like a box fan or a small fan in the window and we'll blow the fresh air into the room like mm. more more aggressively so you're getting even more fresh air than just having the window open on its own. Uh, we do that quite a lot. But I think the fresh air is always going to be a win shy of like southeastern United States humidity in July. I think like July and August, I probably wouldn't do this a lot where I live. But um, fresh air is a good idea. Um what about I think, like air you filters? Know, is that something that's a thing? Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I was going to just say air filters. There are some that are more, um, maybe more reputable for getting rid of mycotoxins and mold spores. Mm-hmm. So I know there's one um, called the Austin Air, for example, that's it's pretty pricey, but it does filter out even mycotoxins, apparently. Right. So something like that. Even just a regular run-of-the-mill air filter is going to do at least something, I would think. A dehumidifier also. Mm. Like, you can run a dehumidifier. They're not terribly expensive. We actually have one in our bedroom because, like, if we shower and we get a lot of humidity going, we'll run the bathroom fan. But we also usually turn on the dehumidifier for, like, an hour after we shower. And that way, the thought is, like, just kind of getting the humidity back down, um... And then there's also, there's a spray. I don't know in truth how well it works. Um, I had one patient who used it and thought that it was really helpful, but I think it's called EC3. Mm-hmm. And it's not terribly expensive. It's like 15, 20 bucks. It looks like a 409 spray bottle. And you could do a little bit of spot treatment if you know that there's like one particular area where it could get mildewy or, or gross. Um, you could maybe do some spot treatment with something like that. Um, I've heard mixed reviews on using bleach on mold. I've heard, yeah. you know, I think that's a yeah. widely um, talked about thing. But then I've I've heard or I've read other resources that say, no, you're basically just bleaching the color out of the mold mm-hmm. so you can't see it, but you're not actually getting rid well, of the mold. Right. Um, so bleach may be hit and miss, but the e- EC3 yeah. spray, apparently, I had one person who thought that it worked pretty well. Yeah, gotcha. I've, I also remember reading about that EC3 when I was trying to figure out like what to do with all of my things. Um, I also read, and this is what I use now and I, I used for my clothes and it seemed to be really, really great and affordable, but, um, I mixed borax into, uh, my wash and I would also like put it into a spray bottle, mix it up with water and use that to clean things. Um, I think it's, I think it's all natural and it, um, so far, especially with my clothes, it's worked really well. Yeah. Have you all heard 
Yeah, that's a good one. Have I didn't you know heard about. anything about um, air filters? I never got an air filtration system, but I know that like some people, I, I've read that some people use those, um, you know, if, if you're kind of in a pickle and you're one of those people who might not be able to move out of a place right away, uh, you need to buy a bit more time. I've heard that's something that you could do to maybe yeah. like kind of put a bandaid on it for now. I think I think it could do at least some good, certainly. I think it's better than nothing. Um, you know, I think any old air filter to some degree would help. Even like even changing the air filters in the vents, like mm-hmm. in the ceiling of your home, um, that could be even something. Because again, like the mold and the mycotoxins accumulate in the household mm-hmm. dust. So if you could just keep dust under control to mm-hmm. the extent that you're able to, that presumably yeah. would keep mold burden down a little bit. Um, there are some fancier air filters that are more expensive that specifically have like evaluated their ability to filter out mycotoxins right. and mold spores. And they, you know, they're like certified or whatever. They're a lot more expensive, but I know one is called the Austin air. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good, like five, six, 700 bucks for one of wow. those bad boys. And then the I adapt air so like lowercase i, kind of like Apple, lowercase i, adapt, all one word, new word, mm-hmm. air, is the other one that I have heard good things about. But again, it's like a five $600 air filter. And if you're thinking of getting like two, if you have right. a big house, um, you know, it's like if you buy Pretty a couple of these, for sure, you're getting, yeah, you're getting to the point where you're like, ah, maybe it would make more sense to move yeah. or remediate at that point. Because if you're spending a couple thousand dollars just managing your symptoms and managing the air quality... Uh, but yeah, I think that that could do at least something if you're yeah, in a pickle. Yeah, definitely. Also, I think something that not a whole lot of people uh, kind of think about, but something that came to the top of my mind was um, cars also have air filters and nobody really thinks about car filters. And I know it's kind mm. of a small thing, but I remember going home at points and going into my family's car that we've had for like years and years. And I would feel super crappy, like noticeably crappy in the car. Um, so perhaps if you're someone who is exposed to mold or has um, a lot of symptoms that you think are coming from mold and you have a car, perhaps an older car, um, I think that changing the air filter of a car is a relatively inexpensive mm-hmm. um, fix. And, you know, it, if you're yeah. spending significant time in the car every day, it might be something that you could try. Mm, that's a really that's good, a really good yeah. point. And do I have permission to make you guys a little oh, bit boy. paranoid? <laughs> sure. sure. Happy Halloween. Um, Used, yes, happy Halloween. We're recording this in October. Um, Used cars can be a wild card because I'll share this. Um, So we had a pretty significant hurricane in North Carolina in like 2017 or 2018. And there was like flash flooding in, in our town. Like there was a lot of flooding. Well, I remember telling my husband and my mom at the time, I was like, note to self, we are not buying a used car that was around in North Carolina during this time. Because mm. who's to say your whole car gets flooded, there's mold under the seat or under the, mm. you know, the carpet or whatever. And then you just make it look aesthetically yeah, right. good right. enough right. visually. And then you just sell the car. Um, 
And I feel like this came up once with a patient, but I don't recall now. But that kind of stuff, like, you know, I don't know, like, I, I like the idea of used cars. Right. But also, I worry that people are offloading their cars that got flooded, or had water damage. And um, it's just kind of a wild Definitely. card. So I think that there is a way that you can look up the VIN number of a car. And you could see like where it was owned mm-hmm. at different points. So like, for example, if you saw that the used car you're considering purchasing was in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and then all of a sudden the owner sold it in like September of 2018 or whenever the mm-hmm. hurricane was like that might be potentially raise a flag for you. I'm not saying the whole town flooded, but like a significant portion of it did. So it's stuff like that. Or like, um, you know, the hurricane that just trashed Florida. You maybe don't want to purchase a car that got sold in this like month or two, because maybe it was in the hurricane in Florida. They cleaned it up enough so that it looks okay and it runs okay, full of mold. And then they're just selling this as a used car and little did you know it was in fort lauderdale when the big old hurricane hit in september 2022 yeah like yeah yeah that's tough and i think too it's like it's all about like for me at least it's all about the big picture like if you're you know you want to think about where you spend the most time so if you're at home if you're working at Mm -hmm. home sleeping at home if you're at home a lot and you feel crappy all the time and you've kind of tried a lot of things, you should maybe think about like, could mold be an issue for you? If you're also in the car for like, you know, say your commute is an hour or hour and a half every day. I don't know. It's not me, but some people have a long commute in the car. Um, If you're spending significant time in your car, you might want to think like, okay, is there something in my car? Like, could I do a quick fix type air filter uh, change in this car. I think, yeah, if you're, if you're only going in your car, you know, on the weekends to and from the store, even if it was moldy, like for most people, it probably isn't a significant that you're not spending a significant amount of time in there. So maybe you don't need to go down this huge rabbit hole and worry yourself. But if it's something, a place where you are often and spending a lot of time, it's like, what can you do to, kind of support your health while you're in that space. Yeah. 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 The only yeah, other, I think that's oh, a valid point. Yeah. It's oh. a great point. I was going to say um, one. So we had, when we moved into this house, there was visible mold in the attic. So we had it remediated before we moved in. Um, but uh the interesting thing was the company that remediated the mold, like one of the things that they did all the time for mold remediation is actually just cleaning the ducts. Mm -hmm. So like not even just the air filter, but like your actual vents, your ventilation system can really accumulate things like mold and that could be spewing Mm -hmm. out everywhere. So like that was like probably where they would do most of their business is just cleaning out ducts. Um, I think they run like some sort of, mycotoxin killing thing through the vents or whatever i don't i don't exactly know how they do it but um we actually had our vents cleaned at some point too probably armand read some coupon or something that oh like you we can get our vents clean it was like no real thing but i'm glad he did it because they the stuff they were pulling out of our vents was like 
in insane like toys and stuff just like you know they hadn't been cleaned in like okay now six years about like that. random stuff were just <laughs> i was not expecting right that. like brand i'm telling you random stuff like toys and like just pulling stuff out of our vents that you wouldn't expect it was super weird Wow. We did have our vents clean, but I'm just saying that's another one that can be sort of like along the same lines of air filtration, where just having your vents cleaned, especially if you've lived somewhere for a decent chunk of time and you've never had them cleaned, or if it's an older house or something, yeah. might be an idea. Yeah, definitely. And again, like dust, even if it's right. not moldy, is not going to do you any great service. Right. And like other other weird chemically boogeymen settle in household dust too like all of the endocrine disrupting nasty chemicals like phthalates Mm. and parabens settles in the dust as well Mm. so just keeping dust reasonably controlled and like cleaning out the vents every now and then is just kind of a good health promoting thing um i keep thinking actually every time like i vacuum and i get know how like i don't know if this house is a dust ball or if we are dust generating people but every time i vacuum and i try to vacuum like once a week or every other week um every single time i get like this ball of dust and hair that i affectionately have named the squirrel (laughs) every time i vacuum i tell mike i'm like i got another squirrel it's a big one but i i don't know how but every time i think oh i should do like a quick snippet for an instagram reel and just like literally a video of me vacuuming and just have like text going over the screen that talks about like these things settle in household dust. Therefore, vacuuming and dusting actually is a detoxification yeah. in a way. Like I'm doing a detox right now. Watch. I will do it now that I verbalized it out <laughs> Speak loud it into because existence. I keep thinking I need to do it and I need to vacuum soon. Oh, well, exactly. I'm manifesting. I feel like I need to get Armand to stop vacuuming so much. So just make sure Armand, like make Armand not be able to see that because he vacuums like, okay. like, our, like the cleaning people came today. He's going to vacuum tomorrow. I'm Maybe like, he could put it to good well, use and, even and head to Dr. Deneza's house. It sounds like. <laughs> right, exactly. He needs that's to right. like, he needs to hire himself out <laughs> because he just like, that's his coping skill uh, in life. It like calms I him wish. down to, wow. to vacuum. Right. To vacuum and if clean. If only we all were so soothed. Well, that's, that's his flavor of OCD right. perhaps. Exactly. But not 100%. Mine. It's probably a very unhealthy thing, but um, he perhaps. does keep our house very clean. So it cracks me go. up. Well, but I'm like, you just had, it, we just paid people to come clean. It, it was vacuumed. Like we have, we're two people. We couldn't have made that yeah. much of a mess in two and a half. Two and a half. CC's, I mean, two, three, technically. C- Cece's really not on the floor yet, though, really. Kind of. She has a donut true. that we put her on. It's like a donut mat. But I don't know. And Chip? A chip. chip doesn't there count. is a chip. He could he could count for another half a human. So we could round up to three. Chip's probably Between a the whole two human little ones. in terms of what he brings yeah. in the house. See? There you go. So Poor Armad getting picked on. Yeah. Um, it's okay. You can handle it. Yeah. Well, let's see. I don't know if I have any other wisdom. You know, it's funny because like going back to the idea that when the bold thing is so overwhelming and daunting, like I think that it deters a lot of people from having this necessary conversation or this necessary intervention, right? Like if you think you have to burn all of your belongings, you're going to be not very inclined to go down this rabbit hole unless you're really desperate or unless it's like so compelling that you can no longer deny it. Um, Similarly, 
I've had my eye on this like big mold course to take for at least two, if not three years. Right. And I thought, ooh, I need to take this course. And I haven't yet. A, because the time, they tell you that it's a four week course and they require you to put in like 20 hours a week in this course. Whoa. I was like, damn, am I a in school again? Like, I'm, yes, like when, when you already have a job right. and a kid and a life, like the thought of 20 hours a week and pounding it out is just really hard to wrap my head right. around. So one, I haven't done it because of that. But B, um, I keep thinking, I'm like, is this going to make me paranoid? And is everything in that class going to be like, burn everything, move, right. move move out and get a bubble? So it's funny because like, I've had this on my radar. I will eventually do that course, but I keep thinking, I'm like, is it going to be like a balanced conversation? Or is it going to be one of those super strict, scary, like, you know, mold is behind everything because you know too like at, once you get into SIBO like a lot of SIBO specialists are convinced that everybody has SIBO right and, like the Lyme specialists are convinced that everybody has Lyme right and the EBV specialists are convinced that everybody has EBV and the freaking mold people are convinced that everybody has mold right. I've seen patients like that funny enough where like another doctor worked somebody up for a mold and I could tell in the blood work I'm like oh this person thought you had mold huh and they were like yeah how did you know because like they ran the big shoemaker right. protocol and everything. So there are also people who are told that they have a mold problem that maybe don't. Right. Um, and, you know, th- that's, that's hard. But I think the biggest thing is like, if you go to a mold specialist, just know right. that they're probably going to be more inclined to diagnose you with a mold problem, as opposed to right. somebody who does a little bit of everything. Um, again, ironically, Hannah came to me for her gut and her her like reactivity to food. And then we ended up talking more about the mold than probably most anything else. Right. Um, But yeah, just be aware of those people where it's like, all I have is a hammer. Therefore, everything is a nail to me. Mm, Yeah. Uh, Because that definitely (laughs) happens with this space. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I am recalling like a piece of general life advice that I got one time, but very applicable to this. It's like everyone gives advice based on their own life experiences. And so like the things people say are like through their lens. And so it's not a lot of people don't mean badly. It's just like through the lens of their research and their time and expertise and stuff. So yeah, it's just something to kind of keep in mind for sure. Definitely like with that class. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a really important thing to know. I would say even like, if you look at people's professions sometimes too, like, like most chiropractors get into chiropractic because they themselves were helped by chiropractic or they have a family member right. who's a chiropractor. I was weird in that regard. Um, and like people who get into functional medicine, like I, I was like this, like mm-hmm. I got rid of five years of low back pain. That was a mystery. And like, I was able to get off of like three prescription medications for allergies. And I was able to like regulate Mm -hmm. my hormones and get my period regular and, and just like feel better overall. And I, I've stuck with this profession, because that's what helped me. Um, And you know, and then like, the, the people who like have a profound experience taking glutathione are probably going to recommend glutathione for everybody. The people who have a profound experience going through mold might be more inclined to diagnose everybody with mold. And it's not like a bad or an atypical thing. I think we all have that to some degree. And it, it almost, I don't know about you, Hannah, but like sometimes going through something like this, it's almost like, 
I'm picturing like if you go to a party, one part of your brain is almost like, I hope somebody brings up mold. I hope yeah. somebody brings it up. I hope somebody brings up fatigue. And then I can talk about the mold. And it's like, you yeah. just want to share this information with God in the world now and shout it from the rooftops to like help everybody mm-hmm. because it was mm-hmm. such a big thing for you. Um, yes. But yeah, just knowing that humans do that and that that could be a wonderful thing and a detriment in different capacities, like that's worthy of knowing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Definitely, definitely. Balance and in the middle forever will be my shtick. <laughs> right, like, right. If there's anything I reiterate on this damn podcast, it's that there's usually two extremes and the truth is almost always somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And if we could just strive for that middle balanced ground, we're probably going to be better off for it. Right. Amen, sister. Hashtag goals. Oh, yes. Hashtag goals. Mm-hmm. As the kids would say, the whippersnappers. Yes. Us young folks. Right. Yes. That's right. The young folk. Well, guys, I don't know if I have much more on the mold conversation right now. Could either of you think of anything else we need to add? Or should I close us out? I'm good to go. All right. Well, again, uh, thank you, Hannah, for coming on. And let's give her a round of applause, people. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yes, this is fun. Again, it really is full circle that you found us because of the podcast. And now look at you on the podcast sharing your story. (laughs) Who would have guessed? Um, I think we need to do this a little bit more often and like get some of the unique and cool stories on here for people to learn from. Uh, Because I certainly hope that the people at home listening to this right now have benefited from it, or maybe they learned something. Maybe they thought all along that they had a mold problem, but they were too intimidated to go down that rabbit hole. Or maybe they never considered mold and now they're really thinking about it. So I hope that it helped somebody out there. Certainly, if you're on YouTube right now watching, if you want to comment down below, uh, let us know if this episode helped you or if you had any epiphanies from it. And I'm excited to get into more cool stuff in season two. So make sure you're subscribed, ring the bell, all the things that you would normally do on YouTube. And pretty please leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts now that we have this new sexy audio for you to listen to. And we will see you right back here for the next episode of the IBS Freedom Podcast. Toodaloo.